All right, we are here at the post show, people. Post show. So, um, better call Saul recap time. Yeah, well, we we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I re uh, so I was you know I've been talking to a couple of people in the office and like no one's watching Better Call Saul for some reason, but it got renewed for season three, so don't worry. About okay, but people you know aren't watching it, you know, and so I've I've been trying to get them you know turned on to it, and I'm like it's not just about Saul Goodman, mm-hmm. you know, we get a bonus story, we get Mike's story too, and and. Well, it's not as much airtime. It's not as well developed and nuanced. Be- from Breaking Bad, he's a great character to get all this extra story about. You know, it's it's almost like two shows in one. Almost like two shows in one. You know, just because everyone's a Mike fan. Yeah. How could you not be? And uh, you get to see all this Mike. And uh, yeah, where do you, where do you want to start? Um. Well, well, let's start with Saul ostensibly this show is about him right yeah, yeah uh so he uh fucked up he did his his major fuck up um he ran the tv ad. he ran the tv ad which was i mean that was it was great it was a great way to to, to write the scene where he you know he has those film school students because of course he's doing it on the cheap and he needs a dolly and he doesn't have one and he sees <laughs> he uses the uh... <laughs> Definitely, I mean, he has a, he has an eye for promotion, and that's not valuable where he's where he ended up. Right. Um, it, it it was effective, but you know, people the 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 lawyers were so worried about their image. You know, I mean, that's really story. That's not really a crit- critique. So I don't want to waste too much time on it. But uh, it, it's fun, like seeing how like he is independent and go-getting yeah. and is gets results and means and well gets, yeah, and it means, means well yeah. and then gets beat down on it you know yeah everything he does is um while it's skirting some ethical lines it's it's well-meaning <laughs> in his intentions so far uh well when he defended uh the the pie sitter guy that wasn't really well-meaning no okay right his his sort of he's branching out and seeing what that side of the yeah of 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 the tracks is like. Uh, and, I mean, and, he was defense attorney before. Yeah. I mean, well, was he defense? I mean, he he never really got any good jobs, right? He was elder law because right. that's what he was good at. Well, that well, he was just a you know yeah he was, he was a schmuck working there as a as a defense attorney, right? He was a public defender. Oh, he was picking a public defender gig. Yeah. yeah wasn't really getting didn't really do any kind of private defense mm-hmm. so this was almost a, this was his first private defense job and he got really creative with it yeah <laughs> there there's a i mean there's a lot going on with with, with kim mm-hmm. she's you know she, there, this this episode was really about kim the, the last week's episode right uh it was very much about showing what her character and we you know the, the extent to how her character sees the world how she you know, she she saw she got fucked over by by trusting Jimmy, uh, but she was determined to get out of it herself, and she did everything she could, but it's still not enough, right? And that's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, it, it is curious because it left her up in the air, right? Yeah. The, she's starting to ask around for other jobs. Wouldn't it be something if she pulled Jimmy? into you know back into the scammy world or something like that like it, it would be a subversion yeah yeah she quits her job you know and then they start doing scams again you know like like the bar scam they did right and, you know and then that kind of is the slippery slope that leads into Saul Goodman I, I that could happen I don't see him as being that flexible yeah. a character yeah like her her personality is I mean, she she's trying to be uh, Saul's moral center that he seems to have lost after the whole Chuck thing. Yeah, um, and Chuck seems to have warmed up to Kim, so he might get her back in the. Yeah, it, it, that's interesting the, the the way that's playing, but it that also could be because they had that thing with. You think Chuck's trying to 
steal her away from Saul? I don't know whether steal away is is the right word, but he's trying to do what Saul did to him. But because they mm-hmm. they you know they presented that scene with you know, this woman you never saw mm-hmm. that Saul that Saul impressed by doing exactly what. He's see he does, mm-hmm. or I should say, Jimmy impressed by doing yeah. exactly what he does, and that hurt Chuck that she was impressed by that. So maybe it's like this is this is very much about brotherly conflict. That this uh, yeah. the series so far, at least, at least their story, and so there's there's this competition between them, and maybe it's maybe some part of it is Chuck's jealous, right? I mean, yeah. Chuck feels that Jimmy just skates through life. Maybe he stole from his dad, maybe different, but he f- generally feels that Jimmy skates through life and lands all the good gigs. Mm-hmm. And Chuck probably feels he works so hard to get where he's at. He's not satisfied with his life and yeah. that kind of thing. Well, he also, I mean, he's he's afraid of the world. He has a, a psychological... But even in the the uh, back end, that, that opening scene, before he had the whole yeah. uh, EM uh, sensitivity... Um, he still wasn't happy. Right, yeah, for sure. And he probably never will be. That's that's probably his you know, his major problem is he won't be happy and so the way that whole first scene was lit was very did you notice that? Like it was it was a very high contrast, it was dark. Well, so even though Chuck was in electricity, mm-hmm. it was it just Again, it was another artistic touch of yeah. of the uh, director of photography, and I don't know. Just I, I just kept looking at like in every every scene of that opening sequence, um, or every shot of the opening scene, I should say. You know, I was looking at the lighting, and it was like just on the border of going. You know, every all the shadows mm-hmm. were pitch black. You know, that kind of thing, and it set the mood. But like, it wasn't just at the dinner. It was even when they were in their bedroom, it was so much darker than anyone's bedroom yeah. really is. And, you know, it might've been, I don't know if I have a point. I just well, noticed well, it was very consistent and it really, I think part of that might be to establish that it, it's to, to, to establish in your mind that it's still Chuck's place because yeah. that you usually see it in the dark. Yeah. So, um, if they were to present it suddenly with, with full, you know, lighting, it may, be a little bit more confusing as to where exactly it is. I see. That's only a possibility. I mean, I still think it was an artistic choice, but I think that may... Yeah, it also, but it also it. played up the... It was kind of like a spotlight on Jimmy, mm-hmm. to some degree. And then also in the bedroom, when Chuck's joke fell flat, it was a very lonely place. Yeah. And the lighting did both of those yes, things as yes. well. Not how I expected that scene to go, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting, right? And so the 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 big, I've, I'm not finding Mike's story as compelling this year so far, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of showing how he's gotten in, gets into the crime, and it's mm-hmm. all to support Kaylee, right? But you know, it's the circumstances that causes him to do that, and right now he's still, you know, he didn't take the easy job and make yeah. more money. He got the shit beat out of him and made half the money. Right. And then And yeah, now you have um And now he is now he's in more trouble with Hector Salamat. <laughs> Hector Salamat. Uh the it, it, I thought the last episode where where he got really annoyed with with Kelly's mother but he couldn't do anything about it. Oh look at the yeah. shots. That was that was more that was more up to my speed. I more appreciate. Well, that w- yeah, I mean that was good. It was it showed that he understands Kaylee's mom. Mm-hmm. He so badly wants to be a part of Kaylee's life that he couldn't. He knew he wouldn't win if he tried to right. show the truth. You know, it really. I think it really showed how dedicated he is to Kaylee and how well he understands people. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting yeah. with him, you know, the, the, the stuff with him in, in this episode with Nacho, where um, he was almost immediately sort of recognized as, as an equal, or at least like, okay, he's an expert in this sort of thing. So mm-hmm. he's so he's explaining, and then Mike's like, nope, this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> and that was just sort of accepted. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's kind of, you know, 
handled Nacho a few times already yeah. with the, the, the um, pharmaceutical IT guy, but also when he's showing up at his dad's upholstery shop. Right. You know. He knows he knows how to work that angle, how to work that underworld. So there may be more partnership coming up. It, it, it seems like like Saul and Mike will drag each other down, right? These stories have to collide at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still fun to watch. It's it's it, it's very fun to watch. It's very well written. It's very well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, very well performed as well. So. All that, all the good stuff. Uh, so it's fun to have that. Um, Game of Thrones should be coming back relatively soon. Mr. Mm-hmm. Robot is filming. Um, I don't know. What else is, I mean, other than Guilty Pleasures, what else is on? There's Daredevil I'm not interested in. There's oh, What am I watching? I'm not watching too much right now. Did you see uh, last week tonight about encryption? Yes. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm immersed in the whole thing, you know, and and you probably are to a pretty high degree, too. But I thought that was a really well done segment on it, it covered it covered how it's not an easy left one side or the mm-hmm. other decision. You know, there's tons of implications. Uh, the one thing I he almost they almost brought it where like he when we were talking about how there's so many foreign companies that do encryption apps, I think he, I personally maybe this wouldn't have carried with the general audience, but I feel that he would have made the point a little more. It can't be blocked or reined in because it is an application of math, and the math is already well known. You know, you can't take back the math of doing public key crypto. Yeah, that doesn't seem like something that. that... <laughs> but I mean, it, it kind of shows the Pandora. To me, it shows the Pandora's box nature of the thing. You know, it's not like it can be legislated because anyone who, you know, is moderately educated in the the art can write their own encryption app. Yeah, but all all it really says is that you just need better on hand intelligence, and it just says that intercepting messages is hard. Which is, which has always been the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's there's not much difference between this and say, you know, attempting to break the Enigma code or something. There's oh, it's. I mean, the, the, it's, the, the, it's the main principle. Than... The main principle of hacking is is not to. <laughs> not is, to break the not to break the code not to, to break the encryption yeah. but to find a weakness in the implementation yeah. no absolutely i mean that's what the nsa has done with everything the nsa all the snowden leak stuff right yeah. the nsa does not have a quantum computer that can break public key crypto at least as far as any of the experts know what the nsa has done is found weak points in social engineering and in implementation of applications and exploited flaws to end around the encryption and basically compromise one of the two endpoints either before encryption or after the encryption and uh yeah like you were saying i mean the enigma machine wasn't well it ultimately was brute forced right but a lot of there were the way they did that was by stealing an enigma machine you know and stealing yeah. code books and things like that mm-hmm. you know and then they were able to reverse engineer it but it wasn't brute force and there there was a, no... there was a flaw in enigma in in the way enigma was done that made it easier to crack i think the flaw was people didn't use the one time pad as religiously well, as they were supposed to right? that was a flaw but the flaw that made oh, okay. it easy computationally to crack okay. was that it would never do the same letter oh. twice for right if you press the same letter yeah it, okay. so you could do a statistic yeah yeah okay yeah i think the bigger flaw was that it was based on one-time pads and people didn't religiously use the right one time there pad. were different enigmas there was one enigma where you could set it with there was like a basic enigma and then there was a more complicated enigma that you could you had to set the switches mm-hmm. in certain ways too right but um, I think the basic one, you just set the tumblers in a yeah, certain way yeah. according to the one-time pad. And then you just typed your message. 
so I mean it's an interesting um the the skit at the end was great because I mm. mean that's not just Apple the Apple, yeah. That's not just Apple security. That's that's any IT guy working on a production system, right? How many times have you been like I'm not, I'm not a fucking wizard. Yeah. <laughs> but no no, it's when, like so for them they were being hacked. But yeah. for you know, more generally it's like whenever an update goes like no no fuck fuck no fuck 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 no yeah yeah <laughs> making mistakes happens and and like um i i when i i didn't update to to a site once and i was, I was supposed to do it to dev and i did it to live and i was like oh crap fortunately it was it was almost all done and almost all correct at that point but i did it from home and i messed up and i meant to do it from i just wanted to get it you mm-hmm. know ugh. so yeah, and you're like, oh no, oh, no, 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 and then you meet like, okay, how do I, how do I fix this? How do I fix? Oh god, I can't let you fix this. Kill so one, kill one. Yeah, well, that, that's. That you should 20s. have never had those privileges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there's. That was just poorly run. And... Back in the uh, wild, wild west days, Greg and I worked where we met. We worked at the same ISP, and um, you were working in web dev, mm-hmm. and. Everybody had root on like the one the the ISP had one server. Mm-hmm. It was a deck Unix server, and like everyone who worked for the company had root on the server. The web devs, the sysadmins, the support guys, everybody. And uh, I don't. Do you remember what you were trying to do? I I think I I was because I was writing stuff in Perl for CGI at that point, and I had it, it got into an infinite loop because you know I wasn't exactly a great programmer then, and uh, it's pretty relatively easy to do that if you're not careful. Uh, and I wanted to kill the process, and I did a process list, and it was the first process on there. I said kill one. Gotcha. Where in a Unix system, one is the init process. Yes. The parent of everything else. Like what is the multi-user process? Isn't it? Is that what it no, is? it's the process. Okay, so it's the parent of everything else. Yeah. And um, if you kill that. It's not like it's gonna restart. You get to reboot the server. And like I said, this was like big metal digital Unix server, and um, didn't get rebooted very often. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it killed the whole ISP, I believe. Right? Because yeah, I mean, it was the, down for like. 10 15 minutes yeah, radius authentication wouldn't work for the yeah. dial-in or anything yeah but let's be clear that thing went down all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah you should have never had root on that box. yeah yeah i should have never had root on that box there was like three people who should have ever had root on that box yeah, yeah. And eventually we got pagers so we would get the new root password remember <laughs> i remember there i remember when i started there was a, a little windows app Right, because the root password was time gen time ba- it was like uh, a time based OTP, right? So I remember Sam would give us the app, right, and you could go into the app and get what the current root password was. It would change every couple of days. <laughs> I remember the the pagers that we had, and then we get root password. Hmm, I don't remember that. Not pagers. Sure. That's how old we are. Pagers, <laughs> fucking pagers. It's like the wire. <laughs> They didn't need the remaster of the wire in HD. They did. Did they? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's weird because like it was never really meant to be in HD, and of course it's you know it's four by three, so it's uh, right. You'd have to do a pan and scan yeah. if you wanted to be like big big screen. You can see like Andre Royo's like fake black on his teeth, so that like, oh, okay. because yeah. he didn't actually have a those bubbles, tooth. right? Yeah, bubbles. Yeah. yeah. So you, you could like clearly make out, oh, that's just makeup. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> not good to have it in HD. No, no, doesn't really work. They just need to reshoot it. <laughs> the whole thing. It's fine as it is. There's no sense in. I know. Uh, you know, it's like I I understand what you're saying, but you know the 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 cool thing to remake is not the great stuff. You remake the shitty stuff and you make it better. Mm-hmm. That's that's where. The action should be. I mean, there, there's all types of shitty stuff with good ideas that just turned out shitty. But if you could remake it, you could turn it into something. Episode one. Let's remake episode one. <laughs> Name to me a good idea that was in episode one. 
<laughs> you said the shitty stuff had good ideas. I assumed every shitty idea. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, there okay. has to be some good idea. There. I see. I thought every shitty thing had some good ideas. No, sometimes there's not. Sometimes things don't. Creative stuff doesn't come from a creative spark. It just comes from the wanting to sell shit. Uh, there was no creative spark in the. St- there was no creative spark from the creator. Of the Star Wars people. There was creative spark from the model builders and the you know, CGI artists ring and theory. stuff like that. Yes, ring theory. Do you know what this ring yeah. theory is? Or <clears throat> can you let me get, let, let's pause right. to, to pee and then I'll talk about it. Okay, so turn me up for a second. You are turned up. Yes, Star Wars ring theory. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That was from the trailer for the, um, the 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 new Plinkett review, which will eventually be out on the Force Awakens. But um, so, as I understand ring theory, it's essentially a bunch of bullshit people make to try to justify uh, George Lucas being completely incompetent by saying that there's clearly a series of repeated things happening within okay. like the first three and the second three mm-hmm. but they're also trying to claim that it's super sophisticated storytelling that all these separate pieces are actually these sort of separate pieces of, a, of that all reflect each other but they're all part of some sort of really significant whole that only makes sense with the in, in with all the six pieces together it's a bunch of bullshit ill <laughs> Oh, I, I, uh, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> so, okay, move on. StarWarsRingTheory.com. Go ahead and... Uh... Do I have to? No, okay. you don't have to. In fact, I, I would encourage you not to. Okay, excellent. Um, um, I introduced the kids to Jenga today. That was fun. They enjoyed that game. That's a good game. How about how did Ali's ice experiment work? Um... They did, so they ended up not really competing. She doesn't know how she ended up like compared to the other kids who did different experiments. Um, she said her ice cube wrapped in a coat, in a bowl wrapped in a coat. Oh, and then Addie gave her the idea of banging on it would help <laughs> or something. Um, they said the ice cube melted in four minutes, which I don't comprehend. So I'm not understanding. She wasn't able to explain to me the full um, setup for this okay. experiment. Banging it might crush it, give you more surface area, and have well, it they were, quicker. They were, I don't think they were doing that. I think they were like banging on the table or the like, not crushing the ice cube, but like okay. hitting the coat. So like, the, like so, sound waves might help <laughs> energize the. Uh, I don't know. It, it, a, it's 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 a in a degree, yes, yeah. You added more energy into this. Well, no, I mean, like, it, I'm just saying, like, it's uh-huh. for if you don't know anything, it's a worthy experiment to try, right? Why not? They've been doing a couple, a bunch of different, uh, like, mini experiments, right? They they had uh, water in two cups, one with the lid, one without, and they were going to measure after a couple of days the, any differences, right? And uh, so I first asked Allie, what do you think is going to happen? And she wasn't sure. I had the clue her in. I'm like, remember the water cycle? And she knows about the water mm-hmm. cycle. She's like, oh. And then, you know, she came up with the right answer after that. But I had to, you know, she wasn't able to pull in the water cycle all on her own. And then they did an experiment the other day where um, I think there were, I think the experiment as she described it was hot water and cold water in a cup. And then they either put some cellophane over the top or they had some kind of inverted cup hanging over the top. But, you know, the thing was like to witness, you know, to see the difference uh, how, how hot water gives off water vapor and cold water doesn't apparently give off water vapor. So we talked about that and I explained that, you know, all water. Like, remember that other cup, the mm-hmm. uncovered cup from the other day? You know how that lowered in level? Same thing happened. You just don't see, it doesn't happen as fast, so you don't see it collecting. And uh, you know, it was fun talking talking it over with her and all that. Cool. Yes. Um, 
anything else? I got other stuff. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about Alley and Science-y fun stuff. I'm trying to think what else we might have talked about recently. I can't think of anything. That's probably it. Right, Science-y fun stuff. Um, I wrote a, a thing that I was thinking about on the thing. So with four equations, four equations, you get all of electromagnetism. Okay. They are basic. Mm-hmm. Four basic equations of four Maxwell field equations. Everything else in electromagnetism from a classical perspective follows from those four equations. Um, that's a beautiful sort of... Uh, it, it, it's, you know, physics look at that and they say that's beautiful because here you're defining... Just these, you, you take these four things. Well, these four things are obviously made up of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're simply saying, okay, you understand all of this stuff and then you take these four equations and then you understand this whole other part of nature to to a degree and and all that electromagnetic stuff is really saying is that you move a charge around and the charge density of the field changes when you do that but you describe something that i could maybe very simply describe that is a feat in itself einstein's field equations have 16 there are 16 of them uh but still mm-hmm. that's a small number compared to <laughs> some other things right. laws of motion and you know, got three laws of motions and they that that has everything pretty much nailed down you define uh frames of references and how stuff moves to a degree that until we had much better equipment we couldn't see that there was any deviation from that at all right i just i, I find that interesting that it all boils down to these simple things but these simple things don't are just the the way we describe the very basics of, of how it functions. But of course, every time you actually do a calculation, you're doing things with much more variables. And so it becomes much more complicated. Right. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about was not sciency, but it was okay. back to Trump. Trump. Remember when we were at the Great American Beer Fest? Yes. I remember that. And remember the whole high fives thing? Yes. Remember how now I Now you're going to equate me being evil like Trump, I see. Well... I feel. I feel that's coming. No. But you remember that I was hyperbolic to a certain extent by saying this is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and I was being only partially... I, I said I was only like half kidding. There is a... There's a danger to... To knowing these psychological shortcuts and exploiting them which i feel like trump is doing he's exploiting people's psychological shortcuts mm-hmm. right. uh it's very similar to um you know what magicians do what a hypnotist does they know these shortcuts in the mind and you take advantage of that a high five is the same thing you know it's not going to work for everybody but for most people, most people would not go just up to you and just shake your hand or say hello to you. Mm-hmm. But most people would high five you. There's this weird like disconnect. There's this way of hijacking the sort of social brain to to get people who are not in like too crabby a mood or who, who aren't paying much attention to what they're doing to simply do that. Probably more effective when they've been drinking for four hours. That is probably more effective, but you'd be surprised. Right. I mean, all you need are people who are just not unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put people around other people, and in general, there are going to be some people who are going to be unhappy, but most people are just going to be feeling the crowd and are going to um, have that. I mean, there's that effect you have when you're in a crowd that you're more likely to go along with the crowd than when you're not. And then you rationalize that later. You you make up reasons for that later. Uh, but doing the high five is just is is. I'm not saying you are evil like Trump. Uh, what I'm saying <laughs> is that it's an example of the kind of things Trump is doing in this campaign. It's an example of how these little shortcuts, these little hacks, right. can be used by someone for you know nefarious purposes. Oops. Was that under pressure? <laughs> under pressure. Boom, 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 boom. Ice, ice, baby. <laughs>
Why did you send me a me six a me six like six years in a year? Oh, it's getting weird. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was like yeah. he wrote. Hey, he wrote me into this. Oh, he wrote me into this. <laughs> it was just a uh, you know, you know, six years the startup. You know, that's, uh-huh. it, part of me. I'm not. You know, I've had a couple hard weeks. I'm not disgruntled yet, but part of me is feeling like you know this is longer than it was supposed to be. You know, it's getting weird. <laughs> so we, we we did the um the the challenge last week, the um the photon challenge. Oh, okay. I was thinking there might be another answer. It it depends on how the question is worded. Well, the, the definitely got to watch for that, right? Because yeah. they did that in the first the last yeah. challenge too. Yeah. If you don't pay attention to how it was worded, you could get it wrong. The I answer was, was the one thing. of two options. I mean, I, I think the one we picked is the right one, but you could say 13.7. The question was how how far did photons travel in space-time before they reached us? And while, again, it's invalid to talk about a photon's perspective from the point of reference frame because there's no way we can formulate that, you could say that from a toy model of a photon's perspective, it doesn't experience an expanding universe. It simply sees it. Well, it could... From a photon's perspective, it could even be zero. <laughs> right. Um, but... But then the photon's perspective is... Invalid. It, it, it's, in, it's not useful. It's... It's a trick question. Yeah. Just to be a trick question. Right. So I, I think that... Just the the answer I still think is is the forty three billion. It's, it's if it turns out to be zero, I'm fine with it because yeah. I mean it's something we considered. We just mm-hmm. didn't think that that was yeah. a good question or a good answer. Right. So. If it turns out to be thirteen point seven, also I think that you, I can you can justify that by saying that that's where it was emitted from, uh, and it, it traveled that distance, and and in the meantime space grew, and so it. You have to add that in, right? I mean, ooh. Ooh. It's going to be some... uh, It's going to be less than the 46 billion, right? Because it's part of the way and stuff's expanding behind it. What do you mean? So... If I remember right, the number was like forty six billion, right, or something like that. Yeah. And we said, "Oh, it's going to be got to be forty six billion," but no, it can't be, because when it's halfway and moving towards us, there's all this expansion that's happening behind it that we don't care about anymore. And the forty six is think imagining a steady state universe right now. So, well, no, because they're asking. I see what you're saying, but if maybe I, maybe I'm forgetting part of the question. If I remember the question correctly, we can always go back and look. But what's the fun in that? If I remember the question correctly, it's uh, how far did the photon travel in space time before it reached us? And right, but didn't they also calibrate us of saying that the um, Observable universe is forty six billion across or something. Well it's like ninety three billion. Ninety three across. Right. So half of that. Right. But okay, so it took so we were saying it went forty six or whatever, right? Right. From the distance of last scattering. Right. Because it uh, happened everywhere, right? The re the recombination epoch happened everywhere. And then it so we so our area of space that we call Maybe Milky Way would have been immediately bathed in, in, in the radiation from the Milky Way, and then there would be a circle, you know, a sphere moving outward from that, uh, and we'd be getting stuff from around from from that sphere, and that and that sphere is continually expanding that we receive. Right, these but what I'm saying is, at whatever value, once it's halfway to us, right? Let's look at that point where it's halfway to us. So you have A, B, and C, where B is the photon, C is us, and A is the starting point. At the next step, the photon's going to move a step towards us. The universe is going to expand a little bit between A and B, and also between B and C. 
right? Right. And this 46 billion that we're looking at is the starting point as we see it today. Mm -hmm. Not the starting point where it started when, in the, it, started when it started. So the any expansion that happens behind the photon is screwing up this 46 billion. It's going to be less than 46 billion. So we know what the speed of light is. Mm -hmm. So we can walk backwards. I don't know what the expansion of the universe is. Do you know that number or like off the top of your head or how we measure that? Like like how much per light year? I, I, I know it, it's something I know it's something like 70 something kilo 70 something meters per kiloparsec. So per per second. So a kiloparsec. Like, so it sounds like there's a Kessel run in here somewhere. Well, a kiloparsec. A parsec is three point something light years. A kiloparsec is three thousand something light years. Or are so, we are we getting into the so more, space? Well, are we the, getting into question B, the more difficult math question? Is that what we this? we might be? Uh, the, the 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 space is so okay. So when they say it's like I said seventy something seventy something uh, kilometers per kiloparsec per second. Or something meters rather for kiloparsecs. So over three thousand light years or so per second, that space is expanding at a rate of seventy meters per second. So not a lot, but over time you can see how that adds up. So there's got to be this like calculus in here, right? Where you know at every sample, you know. We only care about to... the expansion still in front of the photon. Right. So that 46 has got to be wrong. But technically, it did travel that distance. No. I, I wouldn't say technically because it's the same way inflation doesn't break relativity, right? Because the expansion of space-time is not bound by the laws of... Well, what I mean by technically is, I mean, it came from that horizon that is right, from now, our measurement i need a piece of latex to draw on so i can stretch this out for <laughs> I, I i know i i totally i totally get it conceptually I, i'm okay. just wondering if but um, it's not it hasn't traveled that because okay so it's halfway mm -hmm. and you draw this a b and c on mm -hmm. a balloon on a and stretch it out right you the, the tricky part is you have to have b also moving while you stretch right it, it's not static but any of that expansion, so like the last light year, right? The last light year, that 70 meters per second is almost kilometers. all of it, was almost all of behind it, right? I mean, it's it's 14.865 billion percent behind it, you know, behind it you know yeah. instead of in front of it so the ex actual expansion that's still in front of it is going to be a very tiny fraction for All that right. last light year i'm gonna have to look it, we're gonna have to look it up we're gonna have to watch the thing again and get the uh okay the question All right, here. i'm just trying to drag you down the wrong down the wrong path again that, that's how i feel right now because i was so screwed up last time all right where's the oh, is it challenge questions Also, let's look up. However, the light from the CMB. So, here we go. The universe was much smaller when the CMB light was emitted. In fact, all of those blobs of plasma were a mere 43 million light years away from the patch of space that would later contain the Milky Way. Back then, this patch of space just contained a slight overdensity of plasma that looked pretty much the same as the rest of those blobs. However, the light from the CMB had to travel a lot further than those 43 million light years to reach this patch of space because it was traveling through an expanding universe. By the time it reaches us, right now, the universe has expanded so that the galaxies and clusters that those blobs evolve into are now 1100 times further away, giving us an observable universe that's 93 billion light years across. So, first question. 
What physical distance did that light from the CMB travel through an expanding universe to reach us today? Seriously, no math required. How is no math required? What physical distance is the question? What physical distance did light from the CMB travel through an expanding universe to reach us today? Hmm. Um, it's how did you do it? no math? What are we missing? <laughs> All right. Well, let me um, let me move on to a, to another subject, another mathy subject. Sort of. Well, hold on. Okay, so he said that the observable universe is 93 billion light years across. Right. He said that the light that's hitting us right now was 43 43 million million light years away. away. But it's hitting us right now. But it's traveled. Oh, oh, it's hitting us right now. So it's traveled 13.6 billion light years. Right. No math required. Yeah, because that's the... Because it's hitting us right now. It's hitting us right now. And that's... Yeah. (laughs) I think that's right. Okay. All right, cool. (laughs) Okay, so... um... Man, that beer was sour. Pink drink. Yes. I, uh... They have a really good thing on... um... If you want to, if you go to the PBS Space Time page, they have a uh, series called "The Origin of of Matter and Time." I, I think you should watch that. Okay. That gets to it does a better job of explaining the Higgs than I ever did, but it's all the same info. <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 exactly what I was trying to explain, but it, it's it's very well done. Did you see? Um, I saw a tweet today from CERN. Or no, it was from Science, or Siam, or something. Yes, about oh, okay. the, they're getting more details about that that the mystery uh... mystery bump. I yeah. guess at seven hundred fifty GeV, there is a mystery bump. So I yeah, I was looking at this actually. Um, I was looking at the, the the data. Let's see here. No. As soon as we're done talking about the mystery bump, we'll talk. About, we'll do Amazon Anonymous. So don't tune out just yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so both the L- so the, both experiments at the LHC, both major experiments, Atlas and CMS, are noticing this statistical bump uh, of uh, not quite enough significance to call something new yet. But this this is the sort of the new data mm-hmm. that they have. Um, so there's a statistical bump beyond what you'd expect to background at about 750. Uh, GEV, which is where there is nothing expected to find. So there's nothing that the simplistic standard model itself can explain here. It looks to be what they call diphoton, which means two photons are released in this. So that means that um, the spin has to be either zero or two because the spin has to be conserved. So it has to be either spin zero, which we only know of one particle. That would be the Higgs. Or it could be a scalar particle like the Higgs, or a spin two, which is thought to be what a graviton would be. Ooh, right. That, um, that's tantalizing. Tantalizing, but so far this is what it looks like. Now the the this chart isn't. You have to sort of know how to read it. Um, but the sigma numbers are what's important. Right. What we're looking for is five sigma. That that signals a discovery. How close is three point six to five? Is it uh, linear, logarithmic, so or it's it's a it's it's a it's like this, right? So here's your base and your sigma. This is about one standard deviation. So that'd be about sixty six percent. This is two standard, and that is something like. Uh, 
something like 80 something then three is something like 97 percent oh okay so six sigma is like five sigma is is nine nine point nine 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 percent okay that means that you it's a one in 10 billion chance or something that or one in 10 million or something like that then it's it's just statistical fluctuation so about so about three you're looking about 97 percent chance that it's real but that's that's not enough because there's a lot of shit going on in particle physics. There's a lot of background stuff happening. So we want to be really sure. Uh, so uh, the other thing that's interesting about this is there are two types of, of scales. There's a local and a global. So you can look at it from we're, we're trying to, at this precise energy, we're trying to hit things. Or across a wide spectrum of energies, things happen. Mm-hmm. And so you, you would expect the global to, if it was real, uh, the global would closely match the local. And they're not quite matching. Right, 3.6 sigma for the local, 2.0 for the global search. That's in the Atlas. Uh, the ones that new data was released uh, about the same for the Atlas. The CMS results are, are under that, and the uh, the global is less than one sigma. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It could say that there's some differences in, in I mean, these are different detectors. They're, they're put together differently. Right. Um, the chances of it being a spin zero seem to be much higher than it being a spin uh, two, which I think pretty much everyone expects. Um, and then at at a uh, at a combination of uh, of energies that they're traveling at, it looks like it's a little bit more. CMS says that they're seeing a little bit more stuff happening at at a combination of energies, uh, but it's still it's still not for sure. Right, it's still a it's still an open question. I if I was gonna bet, I would say it'll, it'll go away. But uh, who knows? Um, if if I if it didn't go away, then it's almost certainly, or almost certainly, it's, it's very likely to be a another component of of the Higgs field because the Higgs field that, that we put into the standard model is is a, the most simplistic version, um, and there could be more versions of it but remember what the higgs field does it's it's there as a sort of an impedance but really the one way you could look at it is like there's a let's say there's a a road like a a good old just a road and and there's just dirt on the sides Mm -hmm. on the road things that travel on the road they go at the one speed they can, which is they go at C. Right? The, 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 the speed of the road is, is C. In general, all the things without the Higgs field, all of the things, electrons, uh, quarks, they all travel at C. Mm-hmm. When the Higgs field turns on, instead of traveling directly down this line, they start going kind of in sinusoidal waves into this area so th- so they sort of partially move into these sides so they're not going at full c mm-hmm. because they're sort of they're, they're going into this sort of orthogonal you can think of it like they're, they're moving in this orthogonal dimension as well as moving forward it's, it's just like space time right it's right. like uh when something's moving at c it goes through it doesn't it only moves through space doesn't move through time they move more and more through time as they get slower right is, is this uh so could you say that the the speed that it follows its path you know like its full path like left you know through the wavy line is it moving down that through that line at sea and like because it's because you're observing yes. it moving in a straight line that it, it looks like it's moving slower yeah right? everything's moving at sea um it's just that it's it has some of its component moving uh, <coughs> moving at C through time and some of its component moving through these these other dimensions that are offered by the Higgs. Gotcha. Uh, so essentially it's like the Higgs sort of opens up this, this thing and then they're however massive it is is right. right. How, the more massive. Yeah. The more massive the more it, it 
we're part of it, but it, but again, higher, it, higher level yeah. the amplitude yeah. of its wave. But you can't take this too seriously. This is not an actual dimension. This is just a way of looking at how sure. how the field works. But it, it it's very similar to this process. So you, that's well, a good way of of modeling how it slows down. Yeah, because it, it it's not is is not gaining like it's not impeded because it still it still has the same inertial value right but it it's just traveling in in a different way than other things gotcha the particle explanation is is more robust uh, but it's more complicated Mm -hmm. (laughs) it sure is yeah so you bet against 96% odds huh Oh yeah, okay. in particle physics, absolutely. Especially when I see things like this. Oh sure, I know what you're saying, but just for you know people listening, right? Ninety six usually sounds like pretty good odds. Yeah, yeah. There's keep in mind. I mean, this is these are machines that are dealing with energies that we have rare we rarely experience, and that's in an area that we really haven't studied that much. That these detectors, these detectors were built to find the Higgs. They weren't built to look at this area so much. I mean, it's, it's there, but it could be just something wrong with with our instruments. It could be something with the way we're looking at it. Um, right. It could be something with a misunderstanding of how the background works with those energies, of what's getting through uh, that we didn't expect. There's a lot of things that could be here, and so that's why I mean, particle physics is very, very careful about. Sure. They don't want another faster than light neutrino thing. Right. Right. You definitely don't want that. If you don't know what that is, there was a story probably about two or three years ago where someone... it was more than that. It was like five or six at least. Yeah, it was the... It was Grand Sasso Neutrino Anomaly, if you want to look it up. And that was when there there was... Because another one of the experiments the LHC is um, they do a beam dump and make a whole bunch of neutrinos and those neutrinos travel to another place in Italy through through the earth basically because neutrinos aren't impeded by uh, they, they basically they almost travel through us without getting impedance but you can still detect them at certain levels and they seem to be going faster than light would travel that distance mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a fiber optic cable after a whole bunch of nonsense it turned out to be a, a fiber optic cable that was loose Yep. So they found, they found it. They found it. They found the problem. They they when they announced it, they're like, "This is probably wrong, but here is what our paper yeah. says. Here's what our results show." And it seemed like they were asking the global community to say, "Hey, how can we, yeah. how can we prove this wrong? How can we find the mistake?" I there. I mean, there were a bunch of people. I mean, a bunch of physicists who. Or I said I should say a bunch of like grad students and stuff like that who jumped on it immediately because hey this is something new how how could this be working hey maybe I can you know make a name for myself yeah and uh, I don't blame them at all I mean it's a, it's a tough field it's a very you know it's a very high end field and and you have to make you know you have, you have to throw out things in in that theory area but none of them it it's it's it beggared belief to think that something could move faster than light that didn't make sense. And every every time they tried to make it make sense, it just it seemed to open up just a whole bunch of cans of worms. Yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, not the least of which is now you're talking about time travel. Uh, there's no two ways around it. You're going faster than light. You're you you have time travel, and we don't understand time enough to make that consistent at all. So it's uh, yeah, and of course it was. It was not true. true to be false, but yeah, I mean, it's not like they published saying. Hey, no, they they were they were careful to not claim a discovery. It, it seemed like maybe maybe you feel differently. It seemed like they were out of ideas to to prove this away, and they needed help. Right, and... that was part of it. They were also they were very confident in how they had set up their timing, but they wanted to make sure, and so they were like. Mm-hmm. Take a look, and you know they missed this little thing, and this could be the same type of thing. Right. You could be missing something. the The significance of it is not so much 
the 3.6 Sigma, right? It, it's more that you see the same bump in both detectors. That's what has people thinking that it's it's real. Right. Because if you had this in one, not the other, if you just had one thing around 3.6, that's not, it's not worth getting super excited about yet. Right. But both detectors seeing something means that either we've found something or we've got something wrong in how we're doing this and we'll see which one it is. I'm sure it's easy to build a detector for 13 tera electron volts. Oh, yeah. It only takes a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah. Piece of cake. <laughs> and, and you know, liquid helium to... Uh, okay, Amazon it. Anonymous. So, I realized what someone bought this for. You know, why we've been sitting here. But Easter. The, yeah, exactly. The item I picked was the half pound of Kringle cut paper shred green it's um basically something about six of them i should say six of them yeah nice. so three pounds worth it, it you know it's it's the crinkle cut paper you put in the easter baskets it's better than the cellophane stuff you know actually i don't know why we had some of that around the house i forget why but dusty had eaten one it was like hanging around heather like pulled it out of dusty's mouth and like all the way out of the stomach cat's uh. like <laughs> so better than you know strangulating intestines and yeah. things like that yeah. but uh yeah the cellophane stuff is is not very good for pets so you can get a half pound of crinkle cut paper cut into strips made in the usa pro trump frequently bought with a basket I picked the Earth Executive VIP Tall Director's Chair, which is a, you know, like a director's chair on a movie set, but it has a, it has these things so you can also put, um, uh, like, uh, bottles and stuff in there. So it's, it's got little tables on it. Isn't that cute? Yeah, I saw that one. Here's, here's the number two, or the first five-star review. These are good, but you can get about 50 times this much at papermark.com for a way lower price. But we don't have a uh, affiliate link with papermark.com, so no. don't listen to that. Don't pay attention to that at all. <laughs> How's the director's chair? Get good reviews? Five stars. This is the chair. I love this chair. I've been researching director chairs for a while now. <laughs> what? Um, uh, and as a makeup artist, it's so important to have the right equipment to work effectively. I didn't realize there were different models with tall aluminum director's chairs like heavy duty. I'm so happy I bought this. It saves my back. Looks super professional. Has that expensive appeal. Is extremely sturdy. The weight capacity is huge. Is huge. No pun intended. Not a pun. It's comfy, yeah, I know. Folds up for easy affordability and storage. The price is a steal, and standard shipping was free. I received my package way earlier than I expected. I'm so glad I waited and researched before I bought just any old chair. I recommend this chair for all makeup artists. A little side table and extra pockets are super convenient. If you're serious about your work and making a lasting impression, invest in this chair. Invest. That was cheap, right? Invest in this chair. It's, um... Someone's able to buy and use for like 77 bucks. It doesn't seem like much of an investment, but hey, I don't know what makeup artists make. Um, <laughs> the seat height is about 31 inches from the ground, which is perfect for me. I'm five foot eight. I would say if you're shorter than five foot three, you might have to wear heels to comfortably reach your client's face. <laughs> you're like, guys, put on the heels. Oh, here's a two star review. Okay. issues with the chair while this is a nice sturdy chair one must first be able to open it it takes a great deal of strength to muscle this chair open and to close it it is quite the workout also the bottom peg must be meant for people over 5'5 five five, as my feet barely reach the foot rest foot rest not the foot rest the foot rest the foot rest Ooh, I went to the foot rest today the other structural challenge is that the crossbars in the front get in the way of your legs being able to reach the foot rest. <laughs> not sure who this chair was designed for, gender, height, but does seem to not be an appropriate fit for everyone. Wish these things were an issue because otherwise it seems to be a solid chair. 14 people found this helpful. Huh. My green crinkle, crinkle paper has not received review under four stars. 
So that that's some impressive crinkle paper. It is. The four-star review is as follows. This makes wonderful basket filler and is not as messy as plastic filler. I gave it four stars because it seems a bit expensive. It is seven thirty-five for a half pound. Half pound of paper. But crinkled. Crinkled. And come on, who's fooling who? The shipping is never free. It's baked into the you got a ha, you got this how big is a half pound of paper? It's probably the size of like a turkey or something, you know. Really? Like, well I, I mean if you could probably you could probably squeeze it down. But then it would be uncrinkled, it would be smushed. Well you just probably wouldn't look as good in your Easter basket if you smushed it too much. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know how they don't have. Do they explain how the smushing works in any of the comments? No, no. Smushing. I think we're making up an issue with the smushing. Anything else you want to chat about? Not really. All right. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. <laughs>